A reading from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. For those who, according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who, according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is the word of the God. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're doing our sermon series on victory. What better way to do it than to throw out some verses about flesh and death? Does that sound great to you? Um, one of the beautiful things about victory is that it delivers us from a great defeat. One of the realities of victory is that we talk about the victory we have in Christ is without Christ, there isn't victory. There is a defeat. When we were praying about what sermon series we would be going through as we started the new year, we realized that we had gone through a couple of tough years as a young church plant. And one of the things that we felt like we had focused on a lot was uh, grieving a couple of years ago. And this year felt like it was a year of endurance. And we believe that this year is going to be a year of victory. Uh, not that the other ones were not. The other ones were victorious, actually. Uh, the year of grieving was victorious because we have hope in the resurrection. Last year, the year of endurance, we were victorious because we endured like crazy. And, vic- and, and victory is ours. But we're going to look at victory because there is something wrong with our minds more than just the fact that we are born as rebellious people against God. There's something wrong. Even when we become children of God, we tend to misunderstand his word and we, we live as though we are still dead. We live as though we're still in sin and we have no victory over it. And there is a beautiful chapter in the center of this book of Romans, this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, chapter 8, that just does a wonderful job of encapsulating the victory that we have in Christ. So we need to rewire our brains in order to think and act and live as though God has made us in this way instead of striving to become something that we can't be. We should strive to put our faith in the one who did do that for us. And in doing so, our faith will draw us to be more and more like him. We have victory in Jesus. And many times we live defeated. This victory is bigger and it's more amazing than you and I can grasp fully in our lifetimes. In fact, it's a bit like having a complete Gutenberg Bible. Now, the Gutenberg Bible was the first major literary work to be printed by the movable metal type in Europe. It was about 1455 when the first was completed. That Bible now is worth about 25 to $35 million if it were to be sold. It's worth a lot. It would be like having that Bible and throwing it away because you don't know how to read Latin, which is the language it was printed in. Why would you do that? Simply because we don't understand what is before us. When we don't know what we have... In Christ, we will waste it. When we don't know what we have in life, we will waste it. Our outlook, what we're focusing on, what we're striving for, will determine our outcome. What do you think about 
most often in your life? What, is, what, are your, what does your mind go when you want to relax? When you want to feel pleasure? One of the areas my wife and I like to uh, daydream about is traveling. In fact, right now we have a couple of trips that we're, we're planning and uh, I almost said scheming. That sounds negative, but we're planning for and we're daydreaming about and it's exciting for us. So our mind goes there many times if you feel stressful. Uh, maybe it goes to romance. Maybe your mind goes to a new job because, man, it'd be nice to get rid of the old one that I have. Maybe it goes to promotion because it's about time someone recognized how valuable I am at work. Maybe your mind goes to wanting children or wanting marriage. Maybe your mind goes to moving to St. John because you've been there once and it's just fantastic. Why would you not want to live there? Where does your mind go? What do you think about most often in your life? What do you dream about? We're going to look at how, in two ways tonight, from this section of Scripture, two ways that outlook, what we're focusing on, focuses our outcome where we end up. How outlook determines our outcome. The first one is the negative. Before we get to the positive, we have the negative. Here we go. Number one, cherishing the flesh leads to death. Cherishing the flesh leads to death. Now, the word flesh, we're going to unpack in just a second. But you heard it read several times here that the, those who are of the flesh, that their minds to the flesh. And so what does it mean when we see the word flesh? Because that's not a common word that we use in our language, and it's definitely not common in the way that Paul wrote it in the book of Romans. So cherishing the flesh. Here's what flesh means. It's going to pop up on the screen. Flesh is this. It is not simply the physical world. The physical world around us is not simply just our flesh. But it is people or things that share the corruptibility and mortality of the world and also participate in the rebellion of the world. So I'll read it again. It's not simply the physical world that's around us. It's not simply what we can see and touch. But it is the people, it can be people, it can also be things that share in the corruptibility. So taking something good and corrupting it. And the mortality, something that will eventually die of the world. And also participate in the rebellion of the world. It's a negative term. If you didn't pick that up from Paul's context here, it's a negative term used by him. The physical world, the reason it can't be just that is because God originally created the physical world to be very good. And so it's wrong to abuse our physical world. It's wrong to corrupt it. It's wrong to deface it. Flesh means that it's going against the way God created it to be used. Going against the way God originally created it to be used. This means that how we treat the earth today is actually very important. We should treat it as God originally created it and tend for it the way God originally created us to tend and take care of the earth. We care about the earth because God created it, and he said it was what? Good. We were then created as humans, and he gave us the job to take care of it before the fall. It's mistaken that we sometimes think that work came after sin. That's why we hate work. But we actually had jobs to do before sin entered the world. It's just that our jobs became really hard after the fall because the earth didn't respond in the way that it should have and the way it was originally created. So when we abuse the earth, we cherish the flesh, which means we cherish corruption and decay. 
This means that it's not only important how we treat the earth, but it's important how we treat other people in our lives. We should care about others because God created us for relationship with him, and then he also created us for relationship with who? With each other. God created male and female, and he said not that it was good, but he said it was very good, which is the only time in creation where he says very good. So when we abuse others, which means we use them for our pleasure, we use them for what we want, we cherish flesh when we do that. We use them for our own pleasure. That's not someone trapped in the back, actually. So, you know, hey, be quiet back there. We'll let you out later. It's the heater, which we probably realize we don't really need at this point. It's already hot in here, right? So if someone wants to hit the switch back there and lower it down, you can. Johnny, Johnny's on the spot back there. Thank you, John. So back to where we are. <laughs> he said it was very good. It reminds me of Jaws. You remember, like, the second or third one where he's got the, the, the cable up out of the water, and he's like pounded on it, trying to attract the shark. Yeah? Yeah. That's about all I can quote of that part. So, uh, he's banging on it. Come here, you shark. All right, sorry. So, when we abuse others, like the guy trapped back here, right, it's against God's pleasure. It's against his will. It's against the way he originally created. And it shares in the corruption and the, the uh, decay of people. This happens in business, when we cheat someone so we can get a good deal, when we purposely sell someone something knowing that it's not worth what we sold it for, when we turn a profit at someone else's expense, we're sharing in corruption. We do this in relationships when we consider ourselves more important than others, when we demand our way in that relationship and not really caring about theirs. We do this in so many ways. This means that how we treat others is important. How we treat ourselves is also equally important. We should care about our body because the Lord cares about this body that he's given to us. The way we care about our body shows what we cherish, what we esteem and value. And we're fleshly when we don't care about ourselves and we allow our bodies to participate in corruption. When we allow others to use our bodies for corruption. When we neglect our bodies and we forget to offer everything we are to the Lord as a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God, which is true and proper worship, which is what we see later in Romans 12. So the word flesh is that. Now cherishing, which we saw there, cherishing the flesh leads to death. Cherishing means you hold something very dear. You're going to hold on to that. It also means, in this particular setting of context, it means that you keep in one's mind. So you're setting your mind on it. I'm going to keep this ever before me. I'm going to cherish my family. I'm going to cherish the special gift my grandfather gave me. I'm going to find the things that are valuable. I'm going to hold them closely. So set their minds on is what you're about to see in these texts again. And when you see that, it means cherish. So it doesn't just mean that they're sitting around thinking, oh, yeah, that's nice. But they're setting their minds on them in a very clear way. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. And I've taken out parts of the verses that focused on the spirit just so we can look at the flesh part of this, the negative. For those who are, according to the flesh, set their minds, cherish the things of the flesh. 
For the mind set on the flesh is death. The mind that is cherishing the flesh is death. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. It does not subject itself to the law of God. It rebels against it. Therefore, oh, excuse me, because or for, it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So it talked about the flesh. And so what are some things that are of the flesh? In, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes another letter, and these are some of the things that he talks about. We'll just run through the list quickly. Romans, or Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, I think. It'll pop up here. Now the deeds of the flesh are this. They're evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. The first three were are sexual in nature. Idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So when we're focusing our minds on any of these things that are in the list, which is really fun to look at, right? We focus our minds on any of these things and act in a rebellious way toward God. What we're doing is we're inviting death into our lives. Because God is saying, whenever you're focusing on these things, these are corrupt. He's not saying sex is bad, but when we use it in an unholy way, it is bad. He's not saying that being jealous is bad in a good way, like a man should be jealous for his wife or a father for his son. We should be jealous for them in a good way, but when we are coveting others in that way, jealousy, it is a corrupt thing. Outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, all of these things lead us down a road that invites death in. It's not just the fact that it will go to the death eventually, but as we practice these things, we're inviting it into our lives by focusing, by setting our minds on these things. It's not a life of victory that is promised in Christ but it's a life of defeat. A mind set on the flesh is death. It's hostile towards God. It rebels against the law of God. It wants nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with Him and His created order. Forget that. And there are plenty of skeptics regarding whether God created the world and humans. And there are plenty of skeptical doubts in our hearts that cause us to wonder at times if God really is there. We wonder sometimes if God really cares. We wonder sometimes, is he actually able to do anything about the world around us? We have another example this week, another shooting at another airport. Senseless. There's no reason for it. If God is so loving, if he cares so much, if he is able to do something, why would he allow this act of violence to happen all the time? How can we sit here tonight and say that we have victory when so much hell is breaking out all over this world. It's not just in Fort Lauderdale. People are dying every day in horrible ways. How can we claim that we have victory? Are you really going to stand up there and say that we have victory in this terrible world that we live in? And the answer would be yes. We will claim victory because there is victory for those who trust in Christ. But we also see a very sober warning that there is defeat for those who don't. 
People need the good news of Christ. This is one of the things that should drive us to refuse to come to church alone. We want to bring people to this church so they can hear a good message of hope that there is life and there is victory in Christ. Those who don't trust in Christ, it said, they're not even able to do it. They don't have that ability. They need the Spirit of God to convict them of their sinfulness and their need for a Savior. It also says that if you're in the flesh, it's impossible to please God. Well, that sounds like a message of hope. (laughs) It's impossible to please God. But see, that's who we are without Christ. That's who you and I were before we came to faith in Christ. We had mission impossible. There's no way for us to please God. But there's good news. There's the bad news first that there's nothing you can do, but the good news is there's something someone did for you. And it takes faith to please God. It takes faith in that something good that someone did for you. It takes faith in the goodness and the faithfulness of Jesus. But cherishing the flesh, if we stay in that mindset, will lead us to death. It will lead us to defeat. And the good news comes in point number two. The way our outlook determines our outcome is that cherishing the Spirit leads us to life. Cherishing the Spirit of God leads us to, li- leads us to life. Remember, cherish means to hold something dear and precious, to keep, one mind's focused, keep one's mind focused on it. The Spirit here means the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. And we look in Romans 8, Verses 5 and 6, and we see what Paul said about the spirit of life, or the spirit. For those who are according to the flesh, remember, cherish. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are are according to the spirit, and we can insert, if you will, set their minds on the things of, because he's drawing a parallel here. Those who are according to the spirit set their minds on, or they cherish the things of the spirit. For the mind is set, the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the Spirit is what? Life and what? Peace. And that means set free from worry. How good is that? Anybody worry in here? I do. But I'm set free from it. But I still do it. Why is that? Because I need to be rewired. I went like that, but okay, that's probably accurate. (laughs) Focusing on the Lord and worshiping Him leads us to do a few things. It leads us, like it said in verse 5, to submit to God's law. Instead of rebelling against something that's good and good for us, focusing on the Spirit leads us to submit to Him and trust Him. It leads us to the second thing, which is in verse 4, preceding this. uh, It says that though the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. So the second thing it does is it fulfills God's law. So it leads us to submit to the law, and then focusing on the things of the Spirit leads us to fulfill it, which is what we can't do on our own. And the third thing is is it gives us, in verse 6, life, and it gives us peace, and we are freed from worry. Have you ever been worried that people are going to find out the things about you that you don't want anybody to know about, right? And then they're going to find out and they're going to do a few things. Maybe either just write you off and think you're not worth their time anymore. Maybe they're going to find out something about you and they're going to ridicule you. Maybe they're going to find out something about you and your professional life will be ruined. Maybe they'll find out something you did and and they'll never forgive you. Worry. 
looking over your shoulder. That's a life of defeat. That's not victory, that what we're talking about tonight. Everyone, can you say everyone? Everyone, everyone has something they'd be embarrassed about if somebody knew it about them. I don't tell many people this, so I'll let you into my life a little bit. But when I was an early teen, two of my friends and I listened to New Kids on the Block, and we practiced the dancing, dancing to Hanging Tough. Hanging Tough. Hanging tough. I'm not doing the moves. Hanging tough. Are you tough enough? Anybody? No? A few of you? Thank you. Thank you. Our 30 somethings are singing amen to me there. Thank you. So, uh, what we did was we didn't just uh, sing the song, but we practiced dancing moves to them too on a trampoline for hours. It wasn't just like, you know, we were being goofy for a minute, for like hours. We worked on the routines. I don't know why we did it. I really don't. It was a confusing time in my life. I was searching things out. Uh, it's still difficult to see Donnie Wahlberg on TV, who was part of the group, and wonder how he looked so cool dancing like that, and I felt so lame afterward. Um, I don't tell many people that, but there are real things that I don't want you to know about my life. That one's funny. This week I was able to share uh, with a friend a, a relevant story of how God forgave me of something in the past. And I was able to share that story with them in that moment because while I still wish I could take it back, while I still wish I didn't, uh, I hadn't done it, Jesus had taken away my shame for it. I'm not still defeated by that sin, but I've been forgiven by him. So if people find out, guess what? It's okay. It's okay if they find out because my life isn't measured by my sin. It's measured by the resurrection of Jesus. My life isn't measured by the fact that I really messed up and I really hurt someone. My life is measured by the fact that Jesus was really hurt for me and really died for me and now through repentance I am forgiven. Jesus says to me and to you when we confess, you are forgiven. He says that to me right now. Daniel, I forgive you, and I believe him. I have victory because Jesus took my shame, and he took my sin when he died for me. When we focus on the Spirit, what we start to do, instead of adding corruption and decay to the world around us, we add life. We add redemption. We add hope. We add faith. We add healing to the world. Instead of the negative things, when we're focused on the Spirit, we have the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, which means evidence of the Spirit, are, are these things, which is right after the, uh, the, 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 things of, the things of the flesh that he talked about. So when Paul was writing to the Galatians, he went to the flesh, the negatives, and this, he said, but the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified. That means killed to the nth degree. It's crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. It is saying here that Jesus has set us free from the flesh. He set us free from corruption and decay and death. Paul said, the flesh cannot please God. And then he said, but guess what? 
You're not of the flesh. That's not who you are. Anybody fans of Back to the Future? Yeah, Marty McFly. My kids watched it here recently. That's good. So Marty McFly uh, goes back and he sees his father many years. His father was a, uh, was a young kid too, and Biff was the bully. And Biff, you, you kind of love him, but, and you hate him, but you love him you know, at the same time. But he's a unique character. And he, uh, he goes up to Marty McFly's uh, dad, and he, and he picks on him. And his dad's kind of a goofball. And so he tells him something, and he, he's, he's a goofball about it. So Biff goes up to him, gets him in the headlock, and goes, McFly, McFly. And he just goofs on him. I feel like God wants to do that with us sometimes, is that we're, we're kind of goofy, and we don't understand what we have. And he's like, McGee, McGee. That's my last name, if you don't know. McGee, you have victory. You don't have to live like that anymore. I conquered this for you. What are you thinking? Don't be a moron. But he would say it much better because he has self-control and gentleness and all those things. But he's saying you're not in the flesh. This is the way it is, but you're not in the flesh. In the, the next verse, which we'll cover more next week as Pastor Larry preaches next week, so I'm not going to steal too much of the thunder, but this is what it says after this. He says, however, after the flesh, you cannot please God. He says, however, which is a huge however, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. That's not who you are. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, that's how you know that you are in the Spirit, because the Spirit of God lives and dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the, the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So he's saying you're not defeated if you have the Spirit of God in you. He's saying you have victory. And Paul said this is defeat of the flesh, and this is the way of death, but this is not who you are. You are children of victory. You are children of promise and hope and faith. Jesus says to us, you are mine. You belong to me. You were purchased with my victorious sacrifice. Outlook determines outcome. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the flesh, the corruptibility, the decay of the world, the using of our bodies, the using of the world for our own pleasures, or are you focusing on life, which is the Spirit of God? If you cherish the flesh, there is a guaranteed uh, uh, defeat. But when you cherish the Spirit of God, you are guaranteed victory. The key to living this way is knowing who you are. Know who you are. So who are you? Are you in the flesh? Or are you in the Spirit? It's fun to go to the bank when you have money in it. I've experienced that once or twice before. I'd like to experience more this year of that. But imagine, if you will, with me, a magical bank account. And every day, $86,400 is deposited into said account. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah? Amen. Praise the Lord. The account carries over no balance at the end of the day. Every day, that 86400 goes in, but it doesn't, count, doesn't carry over to the next day, much like Verizon and their data plan. It allows you to keep no cash balance. So you have to, whatever goes in, you got to take it out that day. 
Even, it even cancels whatever part of the amount you had failed to use during the day. So what would you do if that happened? You would go to the bank every day and you would draw out every penny of that, wouldn't you? That's the only way to get it out. You would draw it out every day. You would either spend it, draw it out, or lose it. Well, we have a bank account like that. And it's called time. There are 86,400 seconds every day. Every morning, it credits you with this amount of time. Every night, it writes off as lost whatever time you failed to use wisely. It carries over no balance from the day to day. It allows no overdraft. So you can't borrow against yourself or use more time than you have. Each day, the account starts fresh. Each night, it destroys any unused portion. If you fail to use the day's deposit, it's your loss. You can't appeal and go get it back. There's never any borrowing time. You can't take a loan out of your time and against someone else's either. The time you have is the time you have, and that is that. Why would you spend a single second of your time believing that there's no hope for victory in your life? Why would you spend any more time living a life of defeat when Jesus says, come to me and experience the victory that I have secured for you? You have it in him. Why would you waste another second focusing on the things in life that feed the flesh, that feed corruption, that lead to decay and death, and call it a good time? Why would you focus on that instead of focusing on the Spirit? Here's what Jesus did for us. Christianity is not about making us feel bad and doing our penance before God and then feeling better about what we did this week. I just want to let you know, you all suck this week, okay? You can't go back and change it. You didn't do a good job this week. There's massive failures, I'm sure, at some point, theologically speaking. The good news of Christianity is it's okay because someone did perfect for you. And that someone is Jesus. What he did was he entered into this corrupt world. As decaying and as twisted as it was then, I promise you, it's not more twisted now than it was then. It was just as evil then. But what he did when he entered this corrupt world is he stayed pure and he stayed holy. He used every second of his life for the glory of God. He lived every second under the will of God so you and I could be set free and have victory that we desperately need. See, he lived a life among the defiled, among the sinners, among the unholy, and he loved them by laying down his worthy life for their unworthy life so that their unworthiness would become worthiness in the eyes of God. He exposed the flaws of our world and called out the abuses. And he exposed the greatest enemy of every human, death. And then he defeated it by being resurrected from the dead. And now what he does is invite everyone to give up corruption, to give up decay and death by turning away from fleshly, sinful ways and trust him with our entire lives. That doesn't just mean having a, an emotional experience with him, but I mean giving up everything. It says crucified the ways of the flesh is what we do as believers. We killed it. And then now we come to God with everything we have. And we are born of the Spirit. 
Paul writes later, he doesn't tell us right here, but later in the letter, he kind of leaves us hanging here. as like, okay, how do we become children of God? How do we become born of the Spirit? I don't want to be of the flesh. I want to be of the Spirit. Later on in chapter 10, he gives us insight on how to do that. In chapter 10, verse 9, he says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and that means Jesus is my Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved or rescued, which means you'll go from death to life, which means you'll go from defeat to victory. So right now, use your magical bank account of time, and in this second, in this moment, trust in Jesus. You are my Lord. Turn to him and make the first of many moments when you recognize this magnificent display of love that Jesus gave us on the cross and respond to his faithfulness, his perfect sacrifice with a heart of gratitude and worship and joyful obedience. Where you focus your eyes will determine where you go. Focus on the Lord at all times because your outlook determines your outcome. When you're focused on Jesus, you have life. When you're focused on him, you have peace. When you're focused on the Lord Jesus, guess what you have? Victory. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for the victory that you give us tonight. I pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would challenge us, that you would not allow us to simply dismiss what we've heard tonight as like, eh, whatever, but that you would deal with our hearts and that we would not be able to forget these powerful words. It's not easy to hear about defeat. It's not. But, Father, it is cheap to talk about victory and ignore defeat because you didn't just save us from an unpleasant experience. You saved us from death, an eternal one. You have given us life. You have given us victory. And, Lord, the more we understand what you have rescued us from, the more we, we will be free and live victoriously and we will be able to be part of you bringing redemption and healing and life and victory to this world around us. Lord, we pray for uh, the people around this room right now who are hurting, who need victory, practically speaking, who need uh, hope and joy and a fresh beginning, a new start. I pray that you would breathe your grace and mercy over them. And I pray for those who are hurting, not just here, but also around the world, with uh, the terrible news of, of defeat that's going around, um, with uh, shootings and all kinds of terrible things that are happening across our world. It's too much for me to even try to list. But I'm thankful, God, that it's not too much for you. Thank you that the world, the fate of this world is not upon our shoulders. But thank you, Lord, that you've put it on yours and that you are worthy of carrying that burden. We trust you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.